Frankie, this is the moment in the podcast where we pretend like we haven't been talking already for half an hour together. Why don't you take it away? <laughs> yeah, episode six, Life Seeds. Uh, you know, it's been a great journey to get to six episodes, which is half a dozen. So when it comes to half a dozen, I thought today, why don't we just kind of talk? Uh, we were just talking a half an hour there a little bit about life, about things that have gone on, some funny stories and stories we can't share. But we'll share some stories right now. <laughs> yes, we will. <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, a little that bit was about a little inside wrong, joke. That, that was a, that was a wrong delivery. Let's just say that a wrong delivery, a good intention <laughs> that went bad. <laughs> you guys, thank you so much for listening so far or watching on YouTube. We've been loving your comments, your responses. So please keep doing that. And today, it's going to be a kind of episode that I know we're going to do along the way a bunch. And it's your questions that you've sent in. So we're going to give a little shout out as well to whoever has sent in these questions. And shall we dive in? Frankie, how do you want to, how do you really want to, um, you know, structure these ones? You want to talk about life first or you want to do the Q&A? You know what, let's do a little bit of Q&A. And I want to tell people first, it's a little bit about life. So it's a little we'll blend life and Q&A together. And what I want to say is that there is never a bad question. Yeah. So Sometimes people are fearful of asking questions and there's never a bad question, no matter where uh, you are in your stage of life. You know, as kids, kids are amazing. And right now I'm helping teaching some kindergarten classes and grade three classes. And I love that kids just ask anything that comes to mind. And so when it comes to the garden, everybody has been a new gardener at some point in their life. Everybody has killed a plant. There are no bad questions whatsoever. So just ask because the only way for you to learn is to ask and to be curious. That's so true. So speaking to our first Frankie Q&A on Life Seeds, Mary Brock, this is a shout out to you. Thanks for so much for sending this one in. Mary says, hi, Frank. I hope you can help me. We rototilled our lawn in the fall, planted a new seed, I think she meant to say there. So far, barely anything has come up but weeds. Any suggestions? Uh, we want to put our house up for sale, but it looks pretty crummy with all of the dirt. And she's located in Caledon, Ontario. Caledon, Ontario. So of course, when you go to Roadtill last fall and you were to have ambitions of putting down some seed, it, you know, putting down seed, grass seed that is, is fantastic to do in late summer, early fall. Late fall, you start to run the risk that that seed is sitting there. And a reminder, grass seed needs a soil temperature of 15 to almost 20 degrees before it germinates. So if that seed sat there, and even if it did germinate a bit and we went to a colder snap of weather, well, number one, that seed maybe is damaged, like the new germinated uh, lawn blades are damaged, or that seed is actually eroded away, washed away. Now that you have weeds, now this is another struggle because we want to battle against the weeds versus the seed. And in early spring, you can put something down like corn gluten, which is a weed suppressant that coats the seeds and doesn't allow any seed to germinate. It's a little late to do that right now. And when you do apply that, you have to wait six weeks before putting down lawn seed because it will actually prevent lawn seed from ever germinating. So what I would strategize for yourself right now is to go out there, clean up as many weeds as you can, even re-rake the areas. And then what you'll do is just put some grass seed down. Grass seed uh, in the beginning of May, mid-May, fantastic to put down depending upon where you're listening to us. Once again, that soil temperature, 15 to 20 degrees. Grass seed does not need to have uh, soil on top. It just needs to make contact to the soil itself and then water, water, water. If you are selling your property and you want your property to look good, you may want to consider just the front section, see the other areas, but the front section, which is most visible, sod that area. That investment in sod 
would be well worth it because it'll smother out any weed seeds that are sitting there. It'll give you an immediate gratification of a green lawn for listing your property. It'll be great. And right now, uh, as we all know, real estate is friggin' crazy. Yeah, so don't, I know down, it. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Uh, uh, so now just a little bit of investment. Yeah, it's really hard for people like yourself to get into the game. Yeah, we've been looking at uh, a few houses, but I love that response. One of the questions I had along the way, if someone is really new to the grass seed, so kind of staying on that topic, if I'm looking at the forecast and I see that it's going to be sun one day or rain one day, which one would you want to grass seed before the rain or the sun? Right before the rain. Like okay. ideally, if it, the ideal, if it was, you had a nice little light rain. <laughs> Then you broadcast all your grass seed out there, and then there's a nice couple of days of on and off rainfall, you know, overcast skies. And then if 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 we don't have the rain, then you got to water. So water is the key. A reminder, even your lawn. Your lawn is a cool temperature plant that loves water. Needs an inch of water per week, but grass seed for it to germinate needs to be kept moist. Okay, awesome. So this next question, we always get a lot of response about fertilizer specifically. And Frankie, you're one real on Instagram. If you haven't checked out Frankie's Instagram, it's at Frankie Ferragini. And it's so awesome because there's so many questions. And this one is spring fertilizer done April 16th. So that was a service came in right. for Carol Murray. Um, and they say, he's coming back to spray for weeds in a couple of weeks. I want to overseed my grass with micro clover myself. When can I do it? What is the correct order or fertilizer, weeds, aeration, grub spray, bug spray, seeding? They just kind of want to know the formula for all of these things. The recipe, right? So first off, I want to comment on micro clover. So why would they be putting down micro clover on their lawn? This is a, a, a really great trend. And this is a really great thing that you can be considering using instead of grass seed. Micro clover or white clover itself is nice and green. It does very well. It actually puts nitrogen back into the soil itself, easy to walk on, and also very, very low maintenance that grows in many shaded locations. So if you're having a struggle with your lawn in some shaded spots, think about clover. Now, in terms of the way that things should flow and things should go, is you really don't want, you want to get rid of your weeds first before overseeding. And the reason why is everywhere where that weed was, once that weed dies, will be an exposed area that we want to fill it in with grass or with microclover. We don't want other weed seeds to make contact with soil and then germinate. So the way the flow would go is first off in early spring is take a look at your lawn and see where you're at. With that, if it's over 50% weeds, you're going to have more of a battle at uh, trying to bring it back to life versus doing it all over. Sometimes you got to start over. Next up, what you'll do is once you assess the lawn, don't walk on it until it's firm underfoot. If it's compacted, if your lawn is really compacted and for several years you've had kids running over it or you have a clay-based soil, in spring is also a great time to consider aerating the lawn. That aerating the lawn pulls out cores that allows moisture then absorb in and nutrients. So after we kind of take an assessment of that, then we would do a fertilizing because we want to make that lawn that it's existing nice and healthy. After that fertilizing, that weed control, after that weed control, then we'll do the overseeding. And then what we'll consider is if we did have an insect problem being cinch bugs and or grubs, then we'll put a control down for that. Most provinces in the, in the country, in Canada, are underneath a cosmetic pesticide ban. So you're using a biocontrol, which would be either nematodes or a bacillus thurgentis, which is bug be gone. And that needs to be watered in. And even the chemical controls, if you're listening to us in the US and some people 
will have the ability to still go and seek that, those need to be watered in as well. And then there's a whole bunch of other recipes for your lawn in terms of cutting height. And then also always remind yourself, if you're always cutting in one direction, every other week or every week, every, every time you cut, always alter the direction. That'll make a more even blade, make it healthier. So those are just a few ways to walk through. Uh, and then for fertilizing, you really wanna do a fertilizing at a minimum. You wanna do spring. You wanna do something around Canada Day weekend. So around summer in July and then right around Thanksgiving weekend, three different fertilizers. So a spring fertilizer, like a turf builder, a summer guard fertilizer, and then you wanna do a fall and or winter fertilizer. When my brain was just going wild because I was speaking about your reels there and I'm like, oh, that could be a reel, that could be a reel. So yeah. definitely check out his Instagram just to break those down just a little bit more. And the second thing I was thinking about uh, when you were speaking there is that if your lawn is 50% weeds, you said, hey, you might be okay to start over. And I was just thinking in life, if you've got too many weeds, something might just need to start over. What do you think, Frankie? Yeah, like if you don't like your job, if you're not liking what you're doing and you really have no passion and or energy and things are not working out for you, then that's the time to do a reassessment and to say, where do I need to start over? Where do I need to invest in? And yeah. then how can I make this better overall? And investment sometimes is trying to figure out, do I need to invest more? Do I need to get a different job or to take a, you know, a different approach so I can spend more time with my kids? Because your kids are only going to be so long for so you know, young for so long. And, and when they're teenagers, they don't care about you. So <laughs> assessing, they don't know. Like, like yeah, right what now, are your Gavin kids doing today, today Frankie? <laughs> Gavin's working. Gavin's at the greenhouse. He's working today, which yeah. is great. Matheson is uh, gaming. <laughs> Always yeah. be gaming. Carol Murray, yeah. thank you so much for sending in that question. We really appreciate yeah. it. I got to tell you what video game my son Gavin loves right now. Yeah, go for it. Any guess? Any guess? Mm. I was going to say, well, I mean, first of all, let's be serious. My extensive knowledge of video games is very, very small. I'm going to guess Overwatch. No. Farm Simulator. No, stop right now. Farm Simulator, come on. I love it. Clearly your child. <laughs> There's a video game for everything, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, moving on to the next question. This one I really love because yeah. I think it just shows the extent of how many people are gardening and your space as well. So Kimberly Havercourt, I hope I pronounced that right. She says, hi, Frankie. I live on the third floor of an apartment in Markham, Ontario. I have bought trough planters from Costco. Kind of following your lead there, Frank. I have tomato plants, both early girl, your favorite, cherry, and they have grown so much inside. Is it too early to plant them outside? I have full Southern exposure. Okay, so uh, to let everybody know, we're recording this podcast on April the 25th. So that yeah. way it'll make it real for what people are, you know, in terms of too early. Is it too early? Yes. Uh, you know, it, just this last week in the province of Ontario, we had four seasons in one week. <laughs> we had winter, we had summer, we had spring, we had fall. Yeah. Uh, so generally what we're doing for tomato plants is a warm crop that we have to make sure that frost is not in the forecast. But we also want our temperatures to be a little bit warmer, not only soil temperature, but air temperature. So generally for tomatoes, planting them outdoors in the garden, you're not doing that until spring and or mid-May. Mid-May in Markham, Ontario would be mid-May. And that's really according to your last frost date. Uh, and tomatoes will benefit when it's even warmer outdoors. So how do you get to slow them down inside the house? Well, on warmer days, you can put those tomato plants outside to start hardening them off. Inside your home, allow them to dry out in between watering because tomato plants, as soon as you give them water, they grow. 
So if you allow them to dry in between watering, you'll slow them down a bit. And then just make sure that they're getting fairly good sunlight, a nice bright room, because if not, they'll stretch to try to find the light. So yeah, it's too early. I, I was, you know, I, I wanted to, I told you, I wanted to talk about starting too soon. Yeah. This is kind of lending a, a little bit of life as well. So I've been at the garden center uh, on and off and I've been seeing what people are buying. And I've seen people even walking through my community planting, like planting coleus at this time of the year. I'm like, oh my, it's way too early. People are too ambitious. And I have a question for you too. Yeah. It's a question I actually asked on my Facebook live. So I was walking and I saw somebody planting uh, some plants that was too early. And my immediate reaction was to go tell them that it's too early, but I don't know them. And it's also a pandemic. So I didn't, I'm gonna tell you that. And I thought about it a lot after because I was like, I don't know how they're gonna react. So I wanted to help them, yeah. but I didn't. But then I regret that I didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think when it comes to those things in life, it's all about your approach. And uh, yeah. I was actually checking out my one friend's Instagram the other day. She recently went through an adoption process. And so she's been getting a lot of unsolicited advice. So she wrote a whole blog about unsolicited advice. And I think the best way of approaching something like that, and especially in this case, because you care so much about plants and you want to see them thrive, is in a pandemic, post a pandemic, I think people really do want that interaction with, with others. And if they're outside gardening too, they're kind of just in their own zone anyways. I think I would have maybe, not saying you didn't do the right thing, but I think I would have maybe gone over and been like, hey neighbor, my name's Frankie, I'm a garden expert. And I would just love to give you some unsolicited advice about your coleus there. And then if they say that they are welcome to that advice, then you can proceed you know, but it's like, yeah, it's vulnerable. The, the it's body, vulnerable. Yeah, it is the body language. I was kind of waiting if they looked at me, if they gave me eye contact or if yeah. there was, but the body language itself just seemed that they didn't want to, like they were in their world. So yeah. So sometimes <clears throat> you reflect back and you're like, what should have done? It's one of my favorite shows. What would you do? You know, the, uh, yeah. I think it's on, uh, I forget which channel that is. It's US show. It's great. Yeah. So that was a little bit. So starting too soon. Yeah, indeed. It's too soon to be doing things like peppers, tomatoes, cucumbers outdoors. Remember to be successful at many things. It's about starting right and being knowing that you're right. Like even knowing that you're right to date again after the breakup of a relationship. Yeah. It takes some time and just don't go too fast, too soon. They do say that timing is everything. Do you think it's time for yeah. another question, Frank? Let's do it. Okay. So this one says, hi, Frankie. Hello. I have Dracenia. Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Dracenia. Dracaena, and some of the leaves have discoloration. I know this is tough when you don't actually see the picture, but nonetheless, yeah. she said, concerned it could be diseased. I sprayed a couple of times with plant soap. Please advise. And Cheryl Baker, thanks for sending that one in. So discoloration of leaves on any plants can be indications of, you know, stress. So here's my little pilia or pilia, which is also known as the friendship plant. I love this little guy, by the way. I told you why it's a friendship plant is that puts these little side shoots that are out. So the little baby that's right there. Oh my gosh. And then that way, yeah. And then that way you can actually take those and divide them and you can give plants to friends. <clears throat> so that's why it's called the friendship plant. Uh, a little bit about leaves. Leaves tell the story of the plant. So if a leaf has chew marks in it uh, or it looks like the leaf is blistered, generally that's an insect problem. 
If we have any blacking on the leaves, sometimes it could be frost damage if it was outdoors, or it could be disease, disease being fungus. If the leaves have brown tips, it could be sunburn, too much sun. It could be too little light, too, too much water. Um, sometimes even as well, you know, just saying that you sprayed it, always test a little bit of the spray before you spray the entire plant. Reminder, indoor plants like a Dracaena wouldn't really be impacted by this, but outdoor plants, we don't want to spray on a hot summer day in the middle of the day because the light will reflect and you'll cause more harm than help. So what I would recommend is if it's not a ton of brown leaves, I would recommend removing those leaves. So just remove those leaves, discard them, and what'll happen is the plant should put on new growth. Then if it is indeed a disease, when you're removing the leaves, just to be as a precautionary, wash your hands after removing those leaves and That's anything right. that you're using to help remove those leaves, make sure you wash so you're not spreading disease around. Can you show us your pilia again? Yeah. Okay, so this is yours. Beautiful, little, tiny, compact all around. This is mine. How big did yours get? Oh. She's grown real, real tall. So if you yeah. guys are watching on YouTube, obviously you can see this. I'll post a photo of this on our Instagram at Life Seats Podcast if you're listening in the car. Frankie, what do you do so your pilia or your succulent doesn't grow too tall? So, you know, I'm going to go to what I did on my Facebook live earlier today. This is basil. Yeah. And what happens is once you start to get height and you're not getting any bottom and you're, you're kind of a little bit late. So we may even mm -hmm. want to cut, we may actually want to cut the top and actually reroute it. We'll, we'll go through and Ooh. I'd like to see like a closer photo because we'll try to, we may even do some air layering on that as well, which could be fun as an experiment. Okay. But generally what we want to do is as plants are growing and they start to stretch, we're pinching. So these are all pinch points where I cut. And you can see that by cutting that, it's gonna push that plant out and make it grow more wider than what it'll grow up. So the reason why a plant will stretch like that and will grow right up is a lot of the times it's just trying to find light. So even in a container of a mixed container of annuals with a whole bunch, you'll see even some plants that are trying to fight for light. And that's usually what happens in those. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna make that a project. So we're gonna make the, the we're gonna call that the, the Pelia project. Oh yeah, do a little pilia pinch. Mm. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> so again, if you guys are listening, the pilia that Frank had was a little bit more compact inside all around the pot and mine had grown a stem just kind of reaching towards the sky and along it's reaching, it lost all of its leaves and it only has some on the top. So it looks a bit grim. Let's go over to Saroche. Hi, Frankie. I'm looking for your food to grow book and can't find it anywhere. Would you know where I could get one? I live in Kitchener Waterloo area in Ontario. So with the, you know, with the pandemic, things have been really, really um, great for gardening, but not so great for people that want to get into gardening. So with that book, Food to Grow, was published a few years ago. Uh, the publisher has actually run out of stock. Um, and I would, you could buy it on Amazon right now. And there are some used copies on there that are, are priced way too high. Um, and I will say to you, it's a great book. It's a great book, but you could go and check it out at your local library. If you want to use it as for a resource, you can also get a digital copy. So if you want to put it on, uh, on your iPad, you can get a digital copy that you can go through the book form itself. The publisher I'm hoping will publish, will print more copies for next year for 2022, but it is completely sold out. Um, I have a few copies that are here. Uh, but I'm going to keep those just to, for special events and things like that. Awesome. Maybe we'll do a little giveaway on our Life Seeds podcast. Yeah. 
I'll wrangle yeah. him into giving one away. Okay, so Lori asks, hi, Frankie, I have a question for you about repotting my African violet. I got her a month ago for my birthday and I wanted to change her pot. I've never been able to grow them and I'm afraid that I will kill it. Any pointers so I don't kill her? So African violets are a flowering indoor plant that does well in uh, just a bright room, but doesn't need direct light. It actually will do well in a room that only gets morning sun. The African violet doesn't like to be potted that often. So if you're repotting it just for aesthetics, just to make it go into a prettier pot, I would recommend just leaving it in the grower pot and putting that pot right inside the decorative pot. So it's pot in pot, which is actually what I've been doing with the paleo as well. So you can see, this pot here has no drainage, but it's nice and pretty, right? And then what I just did, oh, this guy needs to be watered, by the way, that's why it's coming out. So whenever your plant can come right out, but you can just see, so it's pot in pot, just like that, fantastic. Um, so uh, that's what I would do. With African violets, they're really, really fussy. And they're fussy in terms of the temperature of water. They want room temperature water. They don't like mm. cold water. And they really like to have the water only on the root. So the best thing that you can do is fill your sink uh, and then walk around for a few hours. And then what you can do is when the temperature of that water is pretty much right at room temperature, just take the African violet and you're gonna hold your fingers across the soil like this. Yeah. And I'll take it out again. So you're gonna hold your fingers across the soil like this. And then you're just gonna, look, I still got a price tag on this guy. $5.99. You know, <laughs> hold it like that. Uh, and then you're just going to push this into the water like this. In the plastic pot. In the plastic pot. We're pushing wow. it into the sink, into the water. And as soon as we don't see any bubbles, it's watered. Then we put the African violet back into here and it's a happy plant. And the reason why we're kind of holding, putting our fingers across, that'll, hop, that'll prevent it from popping out of the pot. So I know that a couple of plants, when you water them, you say you leave it in the water for a little bit, like the bubbles come up, they disappear and you leave it in there for a bit. For an African violet, would you want to just remove it right away as soon as those bubbles are gone? As soon as the bubbles are gone, it's pretty much solidly watered. Yeah. Okay. So for instance, my, uh, my one peace lily here, I have a pot inside pot. And so the pot that it's in has a drainage hole in it and a saucer. So when you water that, that, um, that piece lily, the water actually drains out of the pot, the container, into the pot below, and then drains out of that into the saucer. So there's no water collecting. So how I water that plant is I actually take that plant into my uh, laundry room tub, the laundry room sink. I fill the sink with a bunch of water in the bottom, not too much, maybe like two inches. And then I just put the piece lily inside the sink and I leave it there overnight. By the next time when I get up in the morning, there's usually no water in the sink because that piece lily has just absorbed all that water into the container, into the pot itself. And then I go put it in. And my piece lily, the one that I have, well, this one here too. I got, I got one, two, three, four, five blooms on it right wow. now. The other one, I think I have six blooms. No way. That's changed a lot yeah. since we've filmed at your house. Yeah. Holy Hannah. Yeah, okay, that's so the one in the front. I'm gonna do two more questions. This one is okay. from Barbara and she asks, I was wondering if there's something I can put in my garden to deter squirrels and chipmunks from digging holes. We love them, but we hate them, right? She said, I tried uh, I tried pepper, cayenne pepper, but that didn't seem to do anything if it rains and the squirrels just kind of come back. So she said, they're also story. making her crazy. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, many things make us crazy. Um, <laughs> 
years ago. So years ago, I used to be in charge of the birding section at the greenhouse, my family greenhouse. So it was my job to go out and buy bird seed and squirrel-proof bird feeders and all these different things to go out there. It was fun. I bought a $2,000 bird feeder once that retailed for over almost $3,000 on a copper pole. I, I bought it just to make it for everybody just to come to the greenhouse to see a really expensive bird feeder. And then it sold. Did it work? A bunch of them sold. Yeah, but no, a bunch of them sold. I was like, what? how are these selling? It was <laughs> copper on a copper pole. It was crazy. But at that point, and the reason why I go back to the story is at that point, there was a product which was called Squirrel Away, which was for bird seed and it was treating your bird seed with cayenne pepper. And the whole thought was like making the, the bird seed spicy that the squirrels would stay away. Well, what happened was the squirrels adapted themselves and they were like, oh, spicy food, look, old Taco Bell. They were like very happy squirrels and they would eat. So that has been proven not to oh work. Cayenne pepper does not work. And also it, you have to be concerned because the other greater concern is sometimes those squirrels will then go and wipe their mm -hmm. eyes with their, and then you'll actually cause some more harm. What has been working with squirrels is chicken manure, hen manure. So I've done some different testing using a pelletized hen manure. Uh, you can purchase it mostly at your local garden centers and just top dress the soil. You will have to reapply after a few rains. It is calcium enriched fertilizer. So it's fertilizing plants. It's odorless. And for some reason, squirrels just stay away. If that doesn't work, if you can't feed them, you feed them. So you can purchase squirrel feeders and put them on the far end of your property. And that'll keep the squirrels busy and they'll just stay off your, your different plants that are out there. And a reminder, if you're having squirrels or chipmunks eating your tulips and you have it happen every year, plant daffodils. They'll generally stay away from daffodils. All good tips. I kind of actually, this segues really nicely into the next question because this time of year, we're always thinking about tulips, thinking about daffodils, but we also are thinking about the hydrangeas that likely yeah. we got because of an Easter present or something like that. And Lynn asks the question, Frankie, can I plant my hydrangeas in a pot that I bought for Easter in my garden? You can, so it depends on where you live. And it depends also what the grower planted as that hydrangea and that hydrangea variety. In my experience, when you plant those hydrangeas out in the garden, sometimes you'll be rewarded with a few blooms, not a whole lot of blooms, but often you just get a nice big plants that will grow. So it'll come back every year in a lot of foliage. A reminder, those are macrophilia hydrangeas. All those potted hydrangeas you're getting are macrophilias, large leaf, uh, uh, mop head uh, hydrangeas. And those need to bloom on old wood. So the biggest thing people generally do is they prune them in spring, where in spring you should just leave them and only remove any dead wood because it's the old wood that creates the bloom. Whereas things like PG, Annabella, Incredible, Fire and Ice, Limelight, Hydrangeas, those that are typically in your gardens, they're the whites and the cone shapes, they bloom on new wood. So in spring you need to prune them. Okay. Yeah. There's very, very specific instructions with hydrangeas. I remember making that video with you. So make sure you know which one you got. One of the most watched got. videos. Yeah. Yes, it is. A question for yeah. you, just kind of off the top of my head. What are, so the most common Easter one that you would get is? Either an Easter lily or a hydrangea. But if you got okay. a hydrangea, it would be a macrophilia. Um, and then Easter lilies, people ask sometimes if they can plant those in the garden. You can. Word of warning with Easter lilies, they're, they're, they'll come back. They're an Asiatic lily, um, but those are also extremely poisonous to pets. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you everyone for sending in your questions. We're going to segue into the life side of our podcast now, starting with Peak of the Week. Okay, Frankie, what's your Peak of the Week? Give us something good. 
peak of the week. Well, it's been a busy, busy week. I would tell you my peak of the week is I, I was mentioning about these grade three and kindergarten classes that I've been teaching. And uh, so with kindergarten, I've been talking to them about weather and with grade three, I've been doing uh, plants. I have to tell you the ambition, the positivity of these kids is like my shining little light. They're, they're giving me so much. And I will tell you that probably my peak of the week is just being around kids in a virtual space, even though you can't be around them. I, I find energy from kids. I love kids. So the reason why I'm doing this is in the province of Ontario, we've all gone to virtual learning. So I've devoted a few hours per week to talk to teachers and take over their class. So it's like a class takeover just to give the teachers a break and to give the kids something to look forward to. So that's my peak of the week. How about you, Amanda? Oh my gosh, that's such a good peak of the week. I can echo that in Rosie, our little pup, now officially 13 weeks old. And it's so true. It's just so nice to have something so pure and happy. Like in the morning, Scotty and I have been alternating on who gets up with her uh, because it can be a shock to your system. Even though we've both done morning shows before, it can be a shock to your system when you're so used to being a night owl. But it is so nice just having her wake up in the morning. But I will say my peak of the week, I have a personal podcast called We Did It Podcast. And I recently got out of my own way and I reached out to a YouTuber I absolutely love and have been following for a long time. And we kind of connected through her jewelry brand. I created some content and she reposted it on the jewelry um, Instagram page that she created. And I reached out and I said, you know what? I should ask her to be on my podcast. And Frank, she said, yes. And we had such a good conversation Amazing. and I was so, so nervous before it, which is funny how, even if you are a professional broadcaster, you can still experience imposter syndrome at home, just talking to another person, but it's just nice. And I hope you guys find something this week where you just get out of your own way. I have a quote for you. So where can we tell what's the name of the podcast again? And oh, who yeah. is your guest? So it's called We Did It Podcast. And it's all based around the idea that you get to where you're going through your community. And it's also based around the phrase, make your own momentum. So that's my life mantra, make your own momentum. We've talked about this before. That's kind of how we started working together by again, saying yes, accepting things and then carving your own door. And there's also a Martha Graham quote. I'll put it on our Instagram because it's such a beautiful quote. And it's all about the fact that we all have a creative channel and it's not ours to judge. It's not ours to block because if we do that, it'll never exist in this world because we all have something to offer and we all have unique perspectives. So it's just really nice. Her name is Amelia Liana and she's from the UK. So now officially I've gotten to talk to a couple of people from the UK on podcasts, <laughs> which is lovely. Um, and we just had a great conversation about how she's grown her channel, you know, how lockdown life has been uh, coming out of that in London. And uh, I'm breaking season two out very soon. And I have a couple of other really wonderful ladies lined up for that. So I'm pumped. You can find season one on Spotify. Yeah, thank Congratulations. You. And I also want to mention too, it's not a peak of the week, but also if you're something we want to look forward to is travel. Yes. And uh, coming up in 2022, I will be doing a trip with Emerald Cruises that people can also join. Uh, it is to go to see Floriad, which is a, a horticultural show in Amsterdam. It only happens once every 10 years. So I'm hoping that travel will be back on in July of 2022. So it's something I'm really looking forward to. And guys, this is not a regular horticulture show. You need to go online and look up what Floriad is and the renderings that are on there. Oh my goodness, it blew my mind. 
yeah, it, it's 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 an architectural show um, and a horticultural show. The reason why it happens only once every 10 years is that's the amount of work that they put into it. It, it is unbelievable. It is mind blooming. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. That w- I did not expect that. I did not expect that. All righty. Right Speaking yeah. of life, I have a quote for you that I thought of today or I didn't think of, but I read just this week. And okay. I was just thinking, you know what? I think this also really applies to the garden and life so seamlessly. So this quote is from Matt Kahn and it's, remember, despite how open, peaceful and loving you attempt to be, people can only meet you as deeply as they've met themselves. And to dig a little bit into this, why I think this is so pertinent to the garden is your garden will only flourish and bloom and grow as deeply as you've kind of met those plants in the garden, as deeply as you've looked up that information. And it's so amazing because it applies so well to our mental health and who we are and growing as people, because the only thing that's gonna happen by you getting a little deeper and learning a little bit more about yourself is more blooms. So what do you think, Frankie? Did you like that one as much as I did? I do. Yeah, I do. And, it, you know, it comes to, it really is true. Like gardening can be a low maintenance activity where if you do it right and you plan for it right and you put some things together and some right selections in the right group together, all of a sudden things work really well. It's kind of like a garden is kind of like a, a business, a group of friends that if you kind of collect a really good team around you, it'll do well. So in the garden, you know, making sure that you're putting plants to do well together, but building a really good foundation as well. So if we want to be happy, we need to be healthy. Sometimes people are like, I want to be happy, but they don't really think about what they're eating. They really don't look at nutrition as a key link to why you're feeling not so good. So if you eat well and you invest in yourself, you'll do well. The same thing with the garden. If you feed the garden, right? If you feed the soil, you build the soil, you put the plant in the right place at the right time, and you just basically do some minimal maintenance, some minimal care, minimal self-care. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden you get way more blooms and way more success. So true. I know you also wanted to talk about timing. Now you're going through such a big life shift. Um, you've recently gone through a separation and you've been through so many different things in life that really just went to show that timing is everything in a garden and as well life. And I can definitely attest to that as well. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've taken away going through this most recent shift, which maybe would be viewed as a more negative change, something that you wouldn't want someone to go through, but what are some growth things that you've taken out of that? So growth things is that, um, you know, if it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't, that's probably a good thing. Go with your gut. Your gut's pretty smart overall. And then also time, uh, you know, even though this pandemic is giving us a whole bunch of time, sometimes after going through an experience that is, is can be something that can be a trauma. Anytime, anytime a relationship breaks up, or even if you're having, uh, even with a family member, or you have a loss, anytime you experience a loss of anything, you're, you're going to go through some trauma. And in order to heal from that trauma, you can't rush and then fill that void with more work and to do more things. And, you know, I'm guilty of doing a lot of work, um, but it's about time and about taking the time and not trying to force yourself into doing something that you're not ready for. And it's sometimes for people watching us today, if they're thinking about maybe I need to go through a separation, I want a divorce, um, you know, be very careful with that 
first and foremost, because it's, it's a hard road, a hard journey. Uh, take your time with coming up with that decision. Uh, go with your gut because the only person, nobody can answer that question for you, but you, uh, and then prepare yourself, prepare yourself because you need to be strong. And with that, you need that self care. You need to eat right, sleep right, be strong, both physically and mentally. Hmm. I love that. I love that. Also just knowing that, Oh, one thing I actually, I think you would love this, Frankie. One thing I learned from my conversation with Amelia, which you'll hear in that podcast, is she came up with this thing called front row people. Now she was actually in a situation and being online as well, it can be so tough and being in broadcasting as well, it can be so tough, which is kind of a similar situation because when things change in your life, you try not to have an audience notice. Um, Amelia actually was engaged at one point and the engagement was broken off. And so she started a podcast to kind of help people go through that when she was going through her toughest time. And her therapist or her coach told her to only confide in her front row people. And I love that phrase, front row people, because if you open up your heart to a bunch of people about this most vulnerable thing, there then becomes this buzz or there's more room for chatter or anything like that, gossip and things. Whereas, I mean, I'm sure a lot of us in life can name our front row people, the people that we would accept criticism from because we 100% respect their advice, you know? And uh, I just love front row people so much. I love that. You know, I do love that saying too. I, I really do. So a little bit about you. What is Ooh. something that, you know, you're, you're somebody that's going through some transition in your life and sense that you, you have the addition of a new puppy. You yeah. have the hope of a, of a, of a future, which is you're engaged, uh, being engaged during a pandemic as well, you know, and then you've gone through breakups and things like that in the past as well. So what are some lessons this last year have given you? Oh, well, I've always been that person who's trying to fill every single second of the day. And lately as well, kind of leaving a job that I once thought was my dream job and it was my dream job, but then coming to the realization that it's okay if your dream changes. And it's honestly better if it does. I saw this little tiny meme and it was of a caterpillar and a butterfly sitting beside each other on a branch. And the caterpillar says to the butterfly, you've changed. And the butterfly said, well, you're supposed to. And I was like, that's so simple, but really so beautiful. And yeah, a lot of changes that I've been kind of reflecting on now is being okay with being still. I still really struggle with it. And my biggest thing that I struggle with today is going to bed and feeling like, was that a productive day? And I recently said on my TikTok and Instagram that a couple of months ago, my dad and I were doing a home renovation. We love doing that, Frankie, you know, <laughs> me and my dad mm -hmm. just love doing home renos together. And we were in separate cars, obviously, because of COVID. And I was driving down the street and I was just thinking, wow, this is such a good day. And then it struck me, instead of going to bed every single night thinking to myself, was that day productive? I should go to, my, go to bed and be like, was the percentage of that day better than not good? Did I have a good day? And it just made me realize that at the end of life, I'm not going to be on my deathbed thinking, was that a productive enough life? I'm going to go to my deathbed thinking, did I have a good life? And um yeah, I think that's maybe the biggest lesson that I've taken away from this pandemic, that slowing down and being with my front row people has been 
something I'm so grateful for to realize sooner mm -hmm. in life than later. And another great recommendation is, is, you know, we talked about going to bed. Yeah. Well, when you wake up in the morning, first thing, when you open your eyes, say it's a new day. Oh, I love it. I love it. And it's that awesome. was a new podcast yeah. guys. <laughs> so that is episode six. Wow. It's going so quickly. Wow. Um, some great conversations there. A little bit about starting a little bit about reflection and a little bit about gardens. Always your garden Q and A's are fantastic as well. And Amanda, where can people reach out to us? They can reach out to us so many different places. Our Instagram is growing from a tiny seed to a seedling now at life seeds podcast on Instagram. I'm at below the blonde on Instagram and Frankie, where can people usually drop their cues for a Q and A episode? So at Frank Ferragini, you can find me, of course, on Instagram, Frankie with an IE at FrankieFlowers.com. You can email me there. And then weekly, you can also find me on Facebook and that's at Ask Frankie Flowers. I do weekly Facebook lives on Sunday mornings. And that's what we're here to help you have a good growing day. That was a good one, Frank. Thanks. But, but I didn't end it. You know, I got to say, hey, we uh, talked a little bit about the day. We talked about some seeds. We talked about what it meant to be. When I look at the sky, I think to myself, will I fly? Will I grow? Will I sow? Who knows? But that was episode six. Boom! Mind blooming.